<coughs> All right. Good morning, everyone. So Eve and I were presenting about do's and don'ts, cloud director design. That's the idea of the whole session. So if we start with an introduction and then what to not miss with cloud director and design stuff, then a short wrap up. So I start with myself. My name is Matthias with the Com Division for nearly 10 years. I'm a partner working mainly in the service provider space, focusing on cloud director, NSXT, and the whole automation piece around that solution. Yves? Yeah, my name is Yves Sanford, CEO and also partner in the Com Division Group. Um, I primarily do, let's say, the overarching uh, architecture, business advisory, product packaging, and things like that. So advisory services for service providers um, from that perspective, and so overlooking the designs from that perspective. Um, quick on how we work, uh, shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm still surprised when I sometimes see other people work differently. So for us, every project starts off with the architecture piece. So even if we work with service providers who have already an existing infrastructure, we typically review that and start from there. Um, another big part, what we always see, and we will come back to that later on as we go through the design and um, other phases, is it's always important to talk about the education piece. So how do you get people up to speed, not necessarily on how to do the design themselves, but also how to operate and do day two operations, which is not often enough thought about. And finally, yeah, helping people with the operational piece. So um, especially service providers who get new into the game where we just, um, yeah, provide, let's say, hand-holding service for the first few days um, and weeks and months until they can operate everything themselves. So let's dig into the design, right? Yeah. The worst thing you can do with Cloud Director is not making a design. Um, we're not covering this in a deep fashion, but just to be clear, just sitting there implementing Cloud Director and do something is not working at all. That's what we saw a few times in the last couple of years. So please stay focused, start building the use cases. What are you aiming for? What is the goal using Cloud Director? So design Cloud Director. We split the presentation into a few sections covering do's and don'ts, infrastructure networking, bit of extensibility, additional services, and cover third-party integrations as well. So what's all about that? What to consider, what to not ignore? Few service providers we have seen start building a design for Cloud Director and not thinking ahead out of the box, which features could be interesting in the future providing different services to my own customers, right? So that's what we consider in the which, whole Which area. comes back basically to the whole business requirements. Yes. It's, it's, it's most important and we, we are always surprised again and again when we talk to service providers and we come in and say, it's like, what's the final product going to look like? What are you going to sell to your end customers? And very often we hear from the technical uh, or more technical folks, it's like, yeah, we know all that. And then you build a complete Cloud Director design, you set everything up, and then in the end, in the last phase, you try to do the handover also to sales, pre-sales, and they go, it's like, no customer needs this. We need something completely different. So that's why it's always important to have all the different teams um, in the game from day one, and not just only, uh, hey, we want to do provide a few VMs, because that's not what you're selling to the customer. In the end. And you can start counting the term business requirements, because you might hear bit more often this, during this presentation. Let's start with infrastructure. Still, nowadays, B2B 
we consider vSphere being a basic technology everybody is aware of and everybody is able to deal with vSphere. But what should we consider for the underlying vSphere infrastructure if we plan to add Cloud Director as a CMP on top of it? So we can discuss cluster sizes. How many clusters are we going to use? Do we need distributed switches? Maybe. Yeah. Which storage technology are we leveraging? Right. I just throw in a few numbers on that. Um, are we using a cluster or a resource pool as the underlying vSphere basic to provide compute to Cloud Director? Why 48? Why 48? Um, that's a question which comes up all the time. Or it isn't necessarily 48, it could also be 24, depending on what you design for. Um, that's the normal maximum cluster size we suggest. Reason for that is very simple. You might come up and say it's like uh, vSphere allows me 64 nodes in a cluster. Why do we go with 48? Reason for that is very simplistic. There are tons of challenges if you have to stretch customers across different, uh, different resources. 48 gives you enough headroom to worst case just add additional hosts back into the cluster. So that's why any initial design should actually always keep 25% headroom from a physical host's perspective. As long as you are not one of the hyperscalers who basically builds up a new cluster more or less on a weekly basis, then it becomes a completely different. So you're saying always leave some space to scale up a customer. Yeah. Distributed switches make sense. We need to provide networking services. We consume, from a cloud director perspective, we consume networking. Furthermore, storage. You love the asterisk, Annie? Asterisk, love Annie, it. I just had it a few weeks ago. Again? Again? <laughs> where we had a wonderful service provider. You were on that call as well, I think. Um, I can't and remember. There is, there is a thing within Cloud Director when you start it up and actually you start implementing your first provider VDC, it automatically gives you a wonderful storage policy, which is called Star Any. Um, Star Any sounds like, yeah, I'm going to change that later. Um, it's, it's one of these things which you are going to change later. Trust me, it's going to be a hell lot of fun if you have to actually convert customers back. Why is Star Any a bad idea? Because if you have ESXi hosts with local storage in them, Star Any applies to local storages. It, that it, means, it, worst it, case, some of your customers might end up having their virtual machines on the physical disk, which might not even be any way protected within an ESXi host. You don't want to have that happen. So don't go down that path. Remove that policy immediately. Make sure no storage um, whatsoever has that in there. Any um, means any. Any, any. So You know Mr. Murphy, Murphy's Law, mm -hmm. right? If a virtual machine runs on the local data store, that host will fail immediately. And trust us, it's never ever the most unimportant VM. It's the VM which keeps the emails of um, the C-levels or something else on them so that you have the most fun with explaining or, why or that Or the happened. virtual machine which is supposed to be deleted two years ago and we figure out that it's still important because yeah. it's centralized routes or whatever. Multiple storage policies, If what would you think about having different tiers of storage performance and features? So if you have different storage performance tiers, you always need to be clear that it's understandable for, for a customer. 
Many customers don't necessarily understand the differences between them. So what we typically suggest is any type of cluster should never have more than two or three different layers of storage because that gets complicated uh, for users to deal with, especially if you come up with wonderful product ideas where you have different performance levels of CPUs, not different speeds, but you actually give higher shares to one customer than the other. Combine that with uh, storage policies. It's technically working exactly as the infrastructure should do it. But that doesn't mean that the customer understands what technically correct means. That's the same as with allocation models, etc. It's like- well, Give you, me a second. Yeah. You're playing a bit too fast, my friend. <laughs> Here are the allocation models, right? Now you're in business. So let's discuss PVDCs, OVDCs, allocation models. Why are they important? Many service providers start, okay, I got vSphere up and running, I added NSXT, I placed Cloud Director on top of it, and then they start with, oh, I have no idea which allocation model I should use. They're not thinking it through. So allocation models aside networks are the two most complex topics in Cloud Director, but they are the most important ones, right? So sit back with the customer, with the SP, and design the allocation model up front. Because if you start and you start using a certain type of allocation model which is available, you end up maybe mixing allocation models, and that is kind of not recommended. Oh, it works technically correct, but the challenge is, again, if you imagine, and those of you who have ever done performance tuning on vSphere, you just have a bunch of resource pools, and in some cases, resource settings are set on a per-VM basis, sometimes on a per-resource pool levels, sometimes on a combination. Again, it works as it is technically designed, so from a technical perspective, it's absolutely fine to have all four or seven allocation models actually within the same physical vSphere cluster. But getting your head around it and trying to identify later on from an operations perspective, if you get a customer ticket complaining about performance, have a hell lot of fun because you need to basically reverse engineer all of these number games behind each other. Trust me, from my experience, every service provider we have seen, and those were a few hundred over the years, who has started that way has actually moved back from that and actually created dedicated clusters for allocations model. And reality is, what we also see is most service providers in the end always get away with two, two allocations models. It's not necessarily the same allocation models for all of them, but in most cases, if you see in an environment more than two, maybe three allocation models being used, then I would normally say something is wrong is with the product alignment. Multiple PVC, PVDCs, on the other hand, might make sense to provide different classes of compute or different ratios of vCPU to pCPU, right? You have a high-performance cluster, and I, as a service provider, guarantee a max ratio of two vCPUs per pCPU, for example. Then I have the cheaper solution, which is six to one, for example. But again, allocation models works as designed, like star any. It does what it says. Another important, from my point of view, important topic are organization settings. Because if you create a new organization, it's a very simple form asking for a name and the full name and the description, which we all use, right? We all use description fields. So if you just create the organization, there are a few default settings which might not fit our needs, which are, for example, a max VM runtime. Oh, you're talking time, about sorry. least times. Least times. 
Uh, the max lease time is seven days, if I remember correctly, and that's the default setting. Please cover those areas in the design. Do not skip over that, because it's very difficult to find it later on. The customer just calls complaining, where's my virtual machine? Why is my virtual machine powered off? Why can't I power on my virtual machine again? And that's a really pitfall. But so I see a few smiling faces in the audience. Yes, it seems yes. like that a, a few, few people, people have like been knocking, going through yeah, that, that already. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. And trust us, we don't absolutely, we don't know. And in nearly every advisory board, we come in again and again and say, please change this default setting. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. 99% of the people out there don't want to have a default setting like that. They want to have never expire. I'm not sure why it's so difficult to change that, but that's what it is. You need to think about that and actually plan and make sure whoever actually always sets up an org VDC with uh, an organization and org VDC in your infrastructure is fully aware of that and actually sets the proper lease expiry dates. One question <coughs> I put on the slide is metadata. Does metadata make sense, yes or no? If you design it correctly, it makes perfect sense, but always keep in mind, less is more. So metadata is just used to store certain information with the object from a cloud director perspective. So if you need certain information being provided to third-party toolings or for backup or other solutions, use metadata, but design it and ensure that you use metadata consistently across all the objects. Having metadata only on 50% of the virtual machines doesn't make any sense because I can't manage all on an automated base. So what would be a use case? Would you use it for billing? Billing would be nice, okay. right? Yeah, I don't like that customer, I charge double. Networking. Now you slow down their machines. <laughs> Charging double doesn't mean they go away. <laughs> um, so networking. Networking is the second part aside allocation model, which needs a huge bunch of design because we need to guide the service provider or the cloud director owner through the process which networks are going to be used for customers. Um, we have seen a lot that networks are not designed because I just start and then I build something and out of nowhere it really works. I have no idea why. But, but you must also say that was much easier with N6V. Uh, it's not more complex with <clears throat> me. Oh yeah, you need to think about T0, T1 and a lot of more things where you have a proper network design where with N6V you could very often just get away of just deploying VCD, throwing N6V behind it and just set up a network pool. There was more simplicity from that perspective. So for the networking stuff, we need, just need to consider all the different kinds of networks we have. We always have external Org VDC VIP networks and the different services we can use and provide. And on top of that, we consider, are we doing or using a service being provider managed or tenant managed? So in the beginning, many tenants tell you like, oh, yeah, I, I want to use IPsec VPN and NATing, but I, I manage that on myself, right? Two weeks later, you have the first ticket, can you please help me? So in the design, have multiple approaches available for the customers of the service provider to offer like self-service or managed networking or managed networking services. 
but also think about, especially in the networking space, how you do backup and recovery for that piece. Because this is something which is very, very often completely overlooked, because many people think about how do we protect our tenant virtual machines, but not how do we protect the network settings of that specific tenant. And you might think it's like, yeah, I can just roll back my VCD. But what if, if a customer actually has the wonderful experience and figures out two weeks later that this goes? Do you want to bump all customers back to the old settings from two weeks ago? You can't. So you need to come up with clever ideas on how you do backup and um, scenarios like that or description, documentation, whatsoever of any network settings. Otherwise, you might be quickly doomed or your customer might be doomed. But we all know, at least in a service provider world, how this works. Customer never makes the, is never the problem. It's always the service provider who screwed everything up. Furthermore, speaking networking and the features, especially NSXT provides, always keep in mind we have two separate worlds over here and cover that in design. We have the NSXT space and the NSXT plus Cloud Director space because the Cloud Director UI is not allowing all features to being used. So some services like, you might have heard distributed IDS IPS, really awesome feature. It can only be provided as a managed service because you can't Speaking as of today, having that service being managed via Cloud Director. Always keep that in mind. Within the design, I have networking services which can be either tenant-managed or SP or provider-managed, and I offer additional, let's call it advanced networking services, which are only consumable as a managed service by the provider himself. Placements. Um, NSXT, as Eve already mentioned, is different. We need to consider placing T0 gateways, T1 gateways, and how to connect them, and where, which feature is supposed to run on which, on which tier. Um, placement. The gateways run on edge transport nodes, so we are all aware of that fact. You can place edge transport nodes all across the infrastructure. You always need to consider which network is available where. So short example, because you can split T1s and T0s. I had the, um, I had the, the use case that some very special DMZ networks are just physically available on one very specific cluster. So we had to place the T0s over there. And because of the air gap, we had to place the T1s on the workload cluster. But you need to consider that. Ask, where are networks? Do you have an MPLS infrastructure which needs to be attached to the physical network or any other types of services provided? You also need to decide whether you are going dedicated or shared. Exactly. Dedicated edge clusters. Shared. Uh, which customer gets a dedicated T0? Am I using the flip, the switch? I have importing, uh, I can import the T0, and if I create an edge gateway in Cloud Director, I have a switch saying dedicated. Think about the implications of that simple switch. Speaking as of today, as we all know, that will change in the future. What the hell am I talking about, right? Good question. If you flip that switch, you can have only one edge gateway on that T0. Only one. 
that will, I've heard it might change somewhere. So that's an implication. Think about that. Additional services. Which additional services can we use if I think the first VCDA one, is your favorite? The first one is a classic. Nearly every service provider in the last, I think, 24 months is where we did design, implementation, or anything else came and said, yeah, we, we, we have thought about VCDA, but we really don't need it. What we always figure out again and again is that people haven't fully understood what VCDA does for the service provider because it's in most cases the easiest way to onboard your customers. It's relatively straightforward to deploy. Um, it typically takes us a few hours to implement that in any existing infrastructure. Your tenants just get an OVA to download. They integrate that into their vSphere. They can replicate the VMs over. They can actually do a warm or cold fail, uh, switch over, and that's it. And the best part out of it from at least what it currently stands for, in the service provider program, you're not being charged for any of that service. As long as you turn on, not on disaster recovery services or, or something like that. So it's easy, straightforward, directly integrated, and that's what it's good for. The other part is DR is still a service which is, is very often an easy sell to your customers. And I, was, I had an um, expert talk um, on Tuesday where we had exactly that discussion where customers had just DR set up, yeah, let's try it out. And then a few weeks later, they had the ransomware attack or something like that. And then it's perfect if you have that, if you have maybe a few snapshots behind, and you can easily switch them over and bring them into the cloud directory. Environment. So why, why are we bringing that up? It's, it's pretty simple and straightforward. If we start the design process talk with the service provider, again, they're not thinking outside of the box. They say, yeah, VCDA might be a cool feature, stage three or phase four. And we always end up having VCDA being in the design and implemented during phase one because it's that important to onboard new customers. Because the reality is, and we had that just a few weeks ago, we had a service provider who said, it's like, yeah, our customers will just upload OVAs, that's possible. We, then we don't need VCDA. How comfortable is it for an end customer to actually bring their workloads onto your cloud service by first exporting everything locally into an OVA and then actually pushing that massive multi-terabyte file up, um, then importing it again? Just the pure fact of how much downtime that means for the customer, and that only if it works at the first attempt. And manual work. And it's a hell lot of manual work. So this is much easier. And uh, we heard there's a new kid on the block. If you need anything about CSE and Tanzo, in the back there is Sasha, ask him. Right. <laughs> but that's... We see a lot of service providers already asking for that. Please tell us how can we provide Kubernetes as a service to our customers. So keep CSE and Tanzo in mind. Keep it as an optional part in the design to implement it just out of the box. Just draw the paper out of the drawer like, yeah, here everything here, we're going to implement it, you provide Kubernetes within two days to your customers. But maybe, maybe let's quickly cover why this is becoming important. What we see out there in the industry happen very often that most companies nowadays, so end customers, have development teams and they have the internal IT. They don't necessarily work together. And that is actually the first challenge. So very often the developers get away in the beginning with just actually charging a corporate card, putting everything on Google AWS or wherever they want. Or we had one case where they even had more assembled more IT in notebooks and desktop computers than anyone else in the company. Um, 
And then at one point in time, someone figures that out and tells them, it's like, go talk to the IT team and actually ask them to get you the infrastructure provider. IT team calls up the service provider. If then as a service provider, you don't have a very good story to tell for these developers and convince them on how to quickly get up and running by maybe even saying, it's like, hey, we provide you just with a test drive a Kubernetes cluster so that you can play around with and see if this fulfills your requirement then you have the problem because then the developer has the perfect uh, scenario for and excuse for going back in his corner and telling his bosses like, look, they have absolutely no clue what we talk about. We need to continue on this side. He will swipe the credit card again, and especially from a service provider perspective that makes you more and more a legacy resource for that customer. So that's why setup is not necessarily complete to get CSE and Tenzo, at least from a basic perspective, up and running. You don't need to be 100% Kubernetes experts or anything else. It's a relatively easy and straightforward service to do, but not having it in a portfolio as a service provider is at least what we consider at the moment a massive risk because you might actually become more and more legacy with that. Speaking about additional services, third-party integrations, like provide backup solutions, Maybe with restore, without restore, I don't care. That's platinum edition. I know, platinum. <laughs> um, providing third-party services included in the design, but always keep in mind and advise the service provider the implications of providing a backup and restore mechanism, for example. So you might maybe be in charge of what happens if I lose data and the restore is not working anymore, right? So keep that in mind. Make sure that you're safe from that perspective. Writing your own plugin can be done. Best of luck. Documentation of that is awesome. Hey, come on. There is some, docu some existing. It doesn't exactly. necessarily fit to the version which you are actually going to find in GitHub, but uh, there is documentation for it. So again, always keep the business requirements in mind, especially talking about third-party solutions. Extensibility, that's my favorite, but I'm not covering a lot. Use Orchestrator, yes, I'm the only one being a big fan of Realize Orchestrator. You are um, old. I know, I'm out, I'm, I'm 80s. Create your own services which are not natively available using Cloud Director, right? Do that. Use blocking tasks to fulfill complex tasks, but always keep the implications in mind I need message bus system, I need orchestrator, and all that kind of stuff. Implement and ideally, only, if you don't have any skill sets, you need a Matthias. Implement only if needed, and if you're not aware how it works, just call me. Famous last words to wrap it up. I have a sentence over here. You can do a guessing game. Who said that? If you build an awesome solution, but it's not related to any of your business requirements, it's still cool, but useless. Who said that? I have absolutely no idea. You. <laughs> Sounds like me, yeah. Saying that, thanks for watching. If you have any questions, I was told, not on the stage, over there at the table, that's Alistair. We were threatened by a taser and stuff like that to not do it on stage. <laughs> All right, thanks.